We are a band of brothers, diverse yet unified, aligned to pursue the truth, resolute in our commitment. We are stronger together, and you are one of us. This is the Brotherhood Podcast. Brothers, welcome to the podcast today. We get to break down our message from Pastor Lee Martin in November. If you guys didn't get a chance to listen to it, please uh, check uh, about two podcasts before this and you can listen to the entire message. We always encourage you to listen to those before you listen to this uh, because that's the foundation for what we're talking about here. But there is so much meat in in that uh, in that presentation that that Pastor Lee had that I I'm hoping that we can do it justice. I have a lot of notes here, and I'm excited to to go through it with you, Matt. Today, as always, I have Matt Schrader with me uh, to help kind of walk through this. Matt, say hello to everyone. Hello, hello. Shout out to you, Evan. Also to our listeners. Yes, this was an incredible message. I have a tremendous amount of notes, so yeah, hopefully we can do it justice. And really give a different lens or a give a lens to it because it was incredible. I second go back and listen to this message a couple different times. There's so much gold in it that it will take a while to mine and let God really speak to you in all the different ways he possibly can. Yeah, I I, I was thinking about it. I think maybe I absorbed about 10% whenever I was there at 6.45 in the morning, uh, but upon a second and a third listen, uh, I, I think there was so much more there. So let's jump into it, if you don't mind, uh, and kind of dive into what Lee was talking about. I, I believe his message was strong men wanted. And I think that he he really did a good job of kind of establishing that. Um, for me, though, that the big part of kind of like his lead into it, whereas he was talking about, we were built to pick up and carry a weight that is worthy of no, the nobility of being made in the image of of God, so he shares a little bit of the story of talking about Ernest Shackleton uh, racing to the the South Pole, and he posts an ad. Uh, I'll let you listen to that on the actual podcast itself. But I th- I really feel like what he was kind of pushing us towards is really finding our true purpose. And I, I think that when you recognize that you were created with a purpose and you were created by God for uh, a purpose, that when we don't realize that potential. And we're not striving towards what God created us to be. We recognize that there's a burden uh, to carry to live up to that expectation of what that that purpose is. But I think so often we get distracted and we get into some of the passivity that he talks about that kind of pulls us away from that purpose. We get so uh, pulled away from what God created us to do and be that we forget what our true God-given uh, purpose was. So Man, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on that statement because uh, the worthy of the nobility of being made in the image of God. Sometimes, man, I don't, I don't know about you, but I don't think about being made in the image of God every single day. I, I, I think it's something that I just need to be reminded of, and, I, and this message really did that for me. Yeah, it's definitely something that we don't think about on a daily basis. And when he brought out that ad and every movie he quoted and when he tells a story about Jonathan and his armor bearer, he draws on something in you that it's like you don't remember it's there until someone pulls on it. Because mm-hmm. nothing in any of those stories, statements, the examples he tried to bring out was a comfortable lifestyle. Nothing in it on paper was something you'd say, yes, that's what I want my 10-year plan to be. But everything in it draws on you something. Like it just kept pulling on me to be, you know, you gave it great 
and great eloquent description. You know, I, I would muddy through ideas like it draws on you to be, you know, that something great or to do something significant or draws on you that pressure that you feel when you're doing something difficult. Mm -hmm. That right there, likening that to the image of God in you, that is a pretty tremendous statement in itself because that's where we get that. And I think the more you're connected to God, two things are happening. One, you're actually walking in that. You know, you're, I can remember days in my life where I was walking in such a meager existence that when I heard statements like that, it was almost unbelievable. It was almost like, yeah, that that's not me. Now I can accurately say, yeah, I'm living a degree of that. I want more of that. I want more of that image of God, that slice of God, if you will, in my life. So, but you said it beautifully. It, it bears repeating, if you would, that uh, what you said about the image of God. Say that again one more time. Well, the quote was, we were built to pick up and carry a weight that is worthy of the nobility of being made in the image of God. And and I liken that to our purpose. I, I feel like God has given us a purpose and he created us for a purpose. But even with you talking about it, I, I feel like what we're talking about is that potential is being drawn out of us. I, we're being great. reminded that we were created, obviously, with a purpose, but we, we see some of that potential realized in you know, some of the things that we do, some of the steps that we take. And as we uh, are walking with God, he's directing our steps and directing our steps towards that purpose. But I think when we're talking about strong men wanted, specifically from an adventure standpoint, from a journey standpoint, um, and, and Lee does a really good job diving into this, is I think from a from an enemy standpoint, he's preventing us or wanting to prevent us from taking those steps. So we don't see that potential in ourselves. We don't see what God created us to be. We don't see uh, ourselves as being created in the image of God because we can be, become complacent. We be, become passive. We become comfortable. We become all those different things that takes away from our purpose and shifts the narrative from we were created for something to other things were created to make me comfortable. And I, I think that that's uh, kind of defining that line of, are, are we just going to create this really comfortable existence where we do nothing, or are we going to march towards the potential that God put inside of us? Yeah, absolutely. What comes to my mind is, and go with me on this, like that sensation of drawing on something greater than yourself of needing something bigger, a bigger presence on the inside of you to carry that noble load, as you were saying, that right there, like a lot of times in our lives, we don't need that. And well, we don't think we need that. Yes, we need it because we need God to even breathe. But in the sense of adversity, we don't feel the sensation of like, all right, I really need God today. You know, by and large, the majority of us in this country, no matter what economic state you are in, you woke up knowing about where your next meal could could come from. You can walk down to the store and generally purchase a food item or get your lights taken care of. And not everybody. Of course, we have you know the homeless, the poor, but the majority of people in our the Western world live a comfortable life. So we get fooled into thinking we are capable of all that we're doing, and we're not. But when we get, we're given a, a scenario that draws on that emotion, that same emotion we feel when we come to the realization that, you know, like I can remember in the 08 stock market crash or just recently when 2020 hit, like 
that's when you be, become very aware that my house is a bit of a house of a car, house of cards. It's relying on a lot of other things happening well for me for it to maintain this illusion of stability. That draws you into this emotion that says, wow, I need God. And I, I have this presence on the inside of me that's ready to go fulfill this thing that is only be fulfilled by me. So that right there. So we want to, our movies want to paint this picture of like, we want to do something bigger than ourselves. Or, you know, we want to fulfill something that puts this pressure on me to really perform. And what I'm learning, at least personally, is that there's an individual reason. God is moving through me on this earth. Yes, a great relationship with him. Yes, all those things. But alongside of that, it's because it's individual and because only I can fulfill that specific spot, that creates, even if that said responsibility is not as big as somebody else's or big enough for somebody else to be shouldered or pressured, it adds that to me because it's unique to me. I feel like I'm making that confusing, but Hopefully you get what I'm saying. It's the idea that it's unique to me. That purpose is unique to me is what brings that thrill and that excitement of like, this is what God has me doing. It's what draws, it's what those great statements and those great movies draw out of you when you see something tremendous accomplished. The thing you are doing that is specific, whether you're listening to this podcast or me or you, that is tremendous because it is, because it is unique to you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, think, I think I'm understanding what you're saying. I think it ties a little bit into some of what, he was talking about with the, the two kinds of injustice. He says, uh, there's two, t- two kinds of injustice, the man who injures another and the man who fails to act on behalf of one, the one that is injured. For me, like thinking about injustice, like especially like in the world, I, f- I feel like we all have a desire for justice. And I think that that's something that God has put into us. Um, and, and I think that there's a, there's a much bigger conversation about that that I won't jump into right now. But whenever there's... Uh, you know, an injustice that's happened, we we have this just desire for justice. And I think that what he's saying here is those who fail to act uh, on behalf of the one that's injured, that's that's the that's where we're getting into the passivity. And that's where we're getting into the point where we're not realizing our full potential. We're not doing what God created us to be. We're not we're not marching towards that 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 goal, that purpose that God has created for us. And so with the the passivity message that he's talking about here and and the dangers of of passivity i think that we need to be reminded that it exists uh and we re- need we need to be reminded that if we do nothing that is passivity but that's also making a choice we we are deciding to to not participate in in helping somebody we're not we're choosing not to walk in what god created us to be and that's ultimately a decision that we're making. And I, and I think sometimes we get so caught up in everything else that's going on that we figure, oh, so, you know, they're, they're going to take care of that or, or this needs to, ha- you know, they need to pull themselves up by the bootstraps to make, make that happen or they brought that on themselves. And I, I think for us, we need to be more involved from a brotherhood standpoint uh, in helping other people. I mean, if I go all the way, if I'm, I'm going to go all the way to the end. He, he really talks about uh, courage is increases inside of a trusted friend and having that, that brotherhood, ha- having that willingness to act, having that willingness to, to step out into an uncomfortable situation and be there for that person that needs it. 
That is the opposite of passivity. That is what brotherhood is, and that's the purpose of brotherhood. And so, you know, when we're talking, we're bringing speakers in, and we're talking about all these different topics. I think, you know, my goal is to always point back to the importance of brotherhood, because I, I feel like a lot of times, especially as men, we we get caught up in the like, I need to, I, I need to make my own way. I I need to do it myself. I need I need to be the leader. I, I'm not I'm not the guy that's in the crowd. Like, you know, I'm weak if I lean on other people. And I, I think that when we talk about uh, strong godly men versus just strong men, that's the difference is a strong godly man has community. He has brotherhood. He has uh, a trusted friend that will help build that courage inside of him to pursue the things that God has created him to pursue and to help other people achieve what they're trying to achieve. Uh, Lee said, you know, whose God-sized mission are you supporting? And I think that that for me is something that, uh, kind of hit home a, a lot because it's like, I I'm always thinking about just surviving. I'm, I'm always thinking about, you know, w- my family, the, the goals that I'm trying to accomplish, the, the, the path that I'm trying to take, but I need to be reminded about, I need to be that brother in that brotherhood that's helping other people's along their journeys as well. And if we're able to do that and we're able to pull those things out of each other and, and, and tap into what God has placed in us, I think that's where that momentum really starts to happen. And that's what we, we, we really want to work towards. And I think that's a lot of what Pastor Lee was, was, tr- was trying to tap into here. Wow, that's, that's really good, Evan. To start that, you mentioned something that I want to emphasize here. And the choice between the two injustices, one who wrongs the other and one who doesn't stop the other from being wronged. It was an original thought for me to connect that to passivity. Passivity is easily mm-hmm. defined as not acting when you should be acting. And that's that second injustice. And that's where we are a lot of times because we're not we're not in the space of doing harm to another. We're in the space of preventing harm. And what's interesting here is it's easy to take that to our classic categories of harm, you know, whether it's a social justice situation or stepping in front of somebody in an actual physical situation that's being harmed. But there's another maybe uh, more subtle level, and that is just running your business in a way that impacts people. You know, he talks about that first, and I know you're going to go into this, but that first point he aims at older gentlemen, gentlemen who kind of look at it as been there, done that. You know, there's no reason for me to step out anymore. I've kind of found my comfort zone. I've found my space. But standing there, like if I'm speaking to myself, standing there and not reaching out to others needing help that maybe don't need it, don't know it, but they need guidance or they need a place, an environment where they can foster their own talents and abilities. And they need someone to kind of step in even when they don't realize that person stepping in. That's a space where we can go from passive to active. You know, that's a space where it may be it may not be harm in the very direct sense but it's harm in a long arc a long uh a long sense in a long game sense because when you step into somebody like you it may be stepping into an individual who's younger in your life or whether it's younger in age or just younger in experience younger in position and saying hey think about this or maybe consider this something that they ha- are not seeing in their own paradigm and need somebody to step in and say what if you did this instead you know instead of you know, you're, you do a great job at confronting people when they're wrong. What if you found a way to co- 
connect with people when they're right. You know, finding those individuals that have that space or, man, you're a great encourager. Don't miss out on opportunities to confront situations as, as well, whoever that may be in your life. But, man, that's it's an incredible idea that we can become passive when we stop actively trying to impact other people's lives. Yeah. Well, I mean, so so what he set up was the uh, the different forms of passivity. He has three different forms. And the, the one you're talking about is is losing heart. Um, not willing to take risks anymore. He gave the analogy of of the you know the Braveheart speech, but I think that I think that when he said it, it applies to kind of some of the older generation. I I would challenge that a little bit because there's always going to be people younger than me, and, and if I classify myself as young, uh, then I'm 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 going to fail to act. I'm not going to I'm not necessarily going to help maybe people that are a couple steps behind me that I have some authority or I have some influence that I potentially can speak into their lives. So, you know, I, I understand what he's saying, but at the same time, a lot of times I would, I would be in like work situations or leadership situations just going, man, I can't, I don't feel like I can say anything to this person because I don't have enough expertise. I don't have enough tenure in this position to say something, but kind of looking back at it, I mean, for me to speak to somebody in high school or to speak to somebody in college, there's a lot that I can I can download on them. There's a lot that I can, uh, you know, that, that I can, uh, talk to with them about that potentially will help them. I don't have to wait until I'm 60, uh, to, to be old and wise. I, I, I have a lot of knowledge that I've, uh, grown over, you know, my 40 years on earth, uh, that other people can benefit from. And I would challenge anybody listening to this that don't, uh, be afraid to speak up in situations because you feel that you're too young or you don't have anything to say. Uh, if, if you're a high schooler, if you're a teenager, there are things that you can say that may, there are perspectives that you can bring that maybe people don't see and, and you see them because of your life experience and, and, and the, the, the path that you've been on. But what pastor Lee is talking about here from a passivity standpoint is just keep fighting. Don't lose heart. Don't, don't just give up because you're tired. Don't give up because maybe you fought a little bit of the battle and, uh, now it's just, you're just ready to rest. Uh, I think what, what he's really trying to say is that if, if we're striving for comfortability, we're striving for the wrong thing. Uh, we should be striving for operating in what God created us to be. And that may be a, that may be a path that has adversity all the way to the very end. And if we give up on that path, if we, if we stop pursuing those things, we're never going to fully realize what what God has created for us. And as, as we get further into what Pastor Lee was talking about, that has implications, not just for us, but for our family and friends and the people that are surrounding us. So if anything, he's encouraging us to con continue to have heart, to continue to pursue, to continue to push on, because as soon as you go towards comfortability, you start to lose your effectiveness and, and start to lose uh, your true purpose. And I feel like when a person loses their purpose, their quality of life tends to drop, their meaning of life begins to drop, uh, and just their existence, they, they lose their reason for existing. And and I don't think, any, I, I would not wish that on anyone in, in our brotherhood. I, I want you to have purpose in everything that you're doing, finding different phases of life uh, and continuing to pursue those things. Like if, it, if you, I, I'm thinking about Pastor George as a, as a great example. 
you know, he was ministering to kids and then he was ministering uh, through churches. And now he's in, in a phase of life that he's he's actually ministering to pastors. Like he's always finding that new purpose with the expertise that he has, that next generation that he can help. And I think that from a losing heart standpoint, I, I wouldn't say he's a man that's lost heart in anything. If anything, he's found a larger purpose every time he's taking a step towards the next season in life, towards the next thing that that uh, God has called him to be. And, and part of that is being in tune with, with God and, and seeing the potential that he's pulling out of you, seeing where those steps that he's guiding you and, and the direction that he's pointing you in. And that's where he'll start to reveal those things to you. And that's where passivity becomes a, a, a non-starter because you see how much impact that you can make because you've done those things that passivity doesn't even become a part of you. You're not even thinking about being comfortable anymore because you realize how much uh, is at stake and how much that you can still accomplish in the in the role and the phase that you're in. There's so much wealth in this message. So, man, on those lines, I'm working to find the words. The sacrifice for me, this is something I did not see coming that I would anticipate others, those listening, either don't see coming or also didn't see it coming. So when I think about pouring into somebody who's younger than their life, whether it be a year younger, a couple years younger, you know, I would consider myself young as well. I I definitely had to face the choice of am I going to wait till I'm 60 or 70 to start imparting wisdom. And I made the choice, no, I'm going to go ahead and look for opportunities to impart wisdom. And what I pictured in my head was that when I said something, the other person, the other party, the younger individual around would also recognize it as wisdom. And it'd be just a very easy exchange. That did not <laughs> happen as I anticipated in my head. So what became the sacrifice for me was facilitating and creating an environment by which those things would naturally occur. So it's very easy for me to look at somebody and say, hey, I know what you need to know. Let me just craft this word statement for you. Boom, I'll drop it on you. You go take that chew on it for about 20 years. You'll be good to go. Well, that's great. And I might be right that I have that skill. I mean, I don't know. But doing that, if somebody's not ready to receive, it doesn't matter. Your information falls on deaf ears. And if you've not developed a relationship and poured something into them to condition them to receive, it just becomes information. And one thing we have to remember is in this time of our lives and time of probably all of humanity, information is actually so easy to come by that it's not very valuable. It doesn't mean information in itself isn't valuable. It's just if you judge something's value by how rare it is, then information's everywhere. I mean, you can, most people can Google anything we would have to say, and they'll find out what we would have to say. But getting it to resonate the, in their hearts, that's where the value comes in us sharing something. So I did not consider, because it's a true sacrifice, and, you know, it's a first world sacrifice for sure. But still, to have to sit there, let me say this in a kind way, navigating some of the conversations you got to navigate to build relationship. And hear somebody talk about things that you're like, man, you just want to be like, man, shut it down. That's foolish. That ain't going to work. You're not winning the lottery. You know, you're not going to start day trading tomorrow and, you know, next week be a millionaire. Like, that's not likely to happen. However. Hey, man, let me down easy, okay? Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're, just, you're just dropping on that right now, man. It's, okay. Yeah, I'm man. Gonna well, stop, I'm going to stop playing yeah. a lot of. See, that's the problem is I thought, see, I have not done what needed to be done. 
to get you to want to listen to me. <laughs> so anyway, that's a sacrifice for me. Now it's a, here's the thing I wanted to tie in. This is what you're saying at the back end is it's a sacrifice that I actually love now, like on paper, not doing it. I was like, no, that doesn't look very fun. Building relationships with people that, you know, I'm, I'm right on that line, introvert, extrovert. So depending on the person, it drains me to build a relationship. But when I, I, th- I, I perceive it as draining me, but when I got into it, man, it was, it's fantastic. When I st- when I got over myself and my arrogant perspective of my own knowledge and was just able to listen and have fun and then let God speak through me whenever the time might allow, that is a much better picture of impacting and sharing information or wisdom with other people than I had initially thought where I just kind of downloaded it from the, you know, almighty on high kind of feeling. <laughs> and that, so that's, I mean, I, I just throwing it out there. If you're stand, sitting there and you're w- kind of stepping into that, putting your toes in the water of sharing with other people, you might be in your thirties and you just feel like you got a space where you're got some experience, man, get ready for them not to want to hear it. And it to take you a little while to get to a point where people actually can receive what you have to say. And instead of hating that journey, remember that it's enjoyable. That's a, actually a fun, fantastic journey. Getting to that point with somebody where they'll actually listen to what you have to say in a way that they'll apply it in their life. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to circle this back to brotherhood again, because I think that when you have that brotherhood, a, a lot of the things that you're talking about, those barriers start to go away. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about small groups, a lot of small groups is getting together and, and with a common goal of you're reading something or learning about something or whatever else, but then you're, you're taking in all these different perspectives. But I think that when, you know, when you're sitting in that group and you're hearing what other people have to say, you know, in the beginning, you might be like, man, I, this person is just going on and on. I, I don't know if this is, this is great, but as you build a relationship with them and you start to see their perspective or, or hear some of their history, everything changes. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a, a paradigm, sh- a paradigm shift. You have a little bit more information and it completely changes the value of what they're saying. And I think that when you have a brotherhood, when you're actively pursuing a common goal with somebody or you're, you're building that community, um, I think that the value of what uh, that other person is saying rises to the top. Like, like you said earlier, uh, if there's so much abundance of information, it, 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 become, it feels worthless. But I would challenge that statement and say, if there's an abundance of information, that's great. But if I get an abundance of information or, or select information from a trusted source, from a trusted friend, from a trusted relationship, that information takes on a whole different value. Like I, I, I really don't care about old wars. I really don't care about old generals and military tactics. Or I, I, and I don't even care about uh, World War II aircraft. I don't. But if I'm standing next to a World War II veteran and they start, like they hear a, an airplane engine, and they're like, oh, that's definitely this this airplane. And then they start going into stores. Guess what? I'm just absolutely pulled in. Like, I want to hear everything about it. I want to know why do you think that engine sounds that way? Tell me about what you did in the in the war. Tell me about why you think we won. Tell, tell me about, you know, how we left it. How that's where all of that information changes. It has so much more value. Yeah. Could I go on Wikipedia and learn all about that stuff? Probably. But at the same time, if I have somebody who I have a relationship with or 
or somebody who I see as has kind of gone through just this unique set of circumstances, uh, and they bring that to the table, man, I am so much more tuned in to something like that. And I think that that's why having a brotherhood is important because you really start to build that relationship with those people and, and they, you're all bringing that knowledge to the table and that person hopefully at some point has permission to speak into your life and challenge you and say some things that you potentially need to hear, or maybe you've heard multiple times uh, over and over and over again, you've written it off, but that person, because they, you've given them that permission in, in your life to speak to you is going to challenge you and, and push you harder. Uh, they see you having a, a God-sized mission and and they want to see you achieve that man you're going to you're going to listen and you're going to tune in so much more to that person than just if you know some guy walks up into you on the street and just starts telling you what you should do guaranteed you walk up to me in the middle of the street and start telling me what I should do there's a wall going up so fast you you wouldn't even you wouldn't even be able to comprehend it or at least that's me <laughs> yeah that's i think it's everybody <laughs> 100% <laughs> that's 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 worth gold right there that right there, if you just stopped it at this point, I mean, that it, it, it's made it knowing that has made a tremendous impact in my life. What? Yeah. I know you haven't hit the categories yet, but we hit one losing heart, but, oh, losing heart, but there's right. one thing that I want to, th- there's one thing I want to tie to that. Cause this is, uh, there's, there's two points that we, we haven't hit on yet. One comfortability is the enemy of progress. And so if you're in a situation where you are comfortable, uh, you know, Lee said the enemy doesn't have to make you corrupt if he can make you comfortable. Well, essentially what that's saying is, is you will not progress. You will not continue to grow if you are comfortable because you're not going to be pushing yourself outside of there, outside of your comfort zone to, to grow kind of the level of, uh, of, of life, of experience, of, uh, you know, overcoming adversity. But I know we've talked about this in multiple podcasts too, um, the enemy doesn't have to make you corrupt if he can make you comfortable. And it, it just jumps off the page at me now. It's still a, it's a spiritual battle. It's there, We have an enemy that's trying to prevent us from, from being what God created us to be. And his tactic is comfortability. His tactic is to distract us from our purpose, from what God created us to be. And if you continually see what's happening... I, I, I'm trying to get to the point where I can see the spiritual battle part of it, of this is what's happening. It's not the, it's not that the person that's doing it is evil. It's not that, you know, um, it's not that Facebook is evil. It's, it's not that, uh, you know, certain people that, uh, I feel like are always attacking me are evil. That's, it's just a spiritual battle that's trying to distract me from what I need to do. In, in your case, it, it could be something of, you feel like you're trying to help people and you're trying to explain things to them. Uh, from a, I've been through this, I've gone through this and they're writing it off. Uh, and they're not like taking the advice that you have or the experience that you have or putting any value on it. So you're saying, you know what? I don't need to do this. Uh, I'm not going to waste my time, uh, helping other people if they're never going to receive what I have to say. But I've been in countless situations where I haven't felt like anything that I said, anybody was listening to. And five, 10 years later, somebody says something to the effect of, you remember when you said this to me? that cut me to my core. And I literally did not know what to say. Like I, I went home and it was like, you planted a seed in my brain. And the next thing I knew every single day I was thinking about it. But in that conversation, me as the person saying it, I, I, 
I, it was just, it just came out of me. I just, I just said something and, and it was just something, it was a perspective that I had. And the cool thing about that is I've literally seen it change a person's life. So I would even encourage you to say, don't lose heart in the conversations that you're having with other people, even if you don't think that they're listening. Uh, I mean, the same could be said about this podcast. It's just you and me talking right now. Nobody else is listening to this until we publish it. And we're, we're not necessarily going to know if anyone's getting anything out of this at all, but we could be changing lives. And the, the knowledge and expertise and the wisdom that you've generated through your life experience could be really, really helping people. Maybe not today, maybe not five years ago, but maybe somebody stumbles across this 10 years from now and we, we have an opportunity to change somebody's life. That's, that's nothing that I'm going to ever see. Uh, or potentially see, or maybe I will, but I, I think the probability of that's very low, but I still want to walk in that purpose. I'm energized and feel like these are some of the steps that God's directing me in to help other people. I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to see what happens. Uh, what was it? Jonathan said, perhaps, perhaps he won't. Right? Perhaps the Lord will work on our behalf. Either way I'm going. Yeah. I, I think we are in a perhaps moment. Uh, and, and either way we need to continue to take that ground and, and build that progress. You know, in my journey, taking on the humility that it required to, re to remember that God is speaking through me to that person, that my vast amount of wealth of wisdom I perceive myself to have is not really that valuable if God's not speaking through me to that person. And mm -hmm. at first I thought it took a little bit of the shine off of trying to be a leader because I thought, man, you know, that kind of takes the credit for me and I get it. I don't get all the credit, but just go with me on my conversation with my, myself here. I, I was just honest with God. I was like, you know, I like kind of like that credit guy. You know, it's, it feels good. But on the backside, after acknowledging that I had no real value to add anybody to, to add to anybody without the presence of God in me, the enjoyment of that pressure being pulled off. Cause what I, I was also taking on this God responsibility that I cannot bear of somehow impacting somebody's life. When I was able to relinquish both of those man, having a conversation with somebody, whether they listen or not became so much more freeing. And honestly, this is a path I'm still on that being able to relax when I'm talking to somebody, whether or not they hear what I think is so impacting or not, it brings so much more joy to my conversations, to the interactions I have. You know, I have an advantage now where I get to talk to a number of people who don't believe in Jesus. They, they've not walk through what it feels like to be redeemed. They don't even, they don't have the sense of being connected to God's presence on a regular basis. And they used to wow me up a little bit. You know, used to wow me up trying to, oh man, you know, I've got to make sure I, I was able to get over the leading them to Jesus part, but I still had to pull on this pressure of like, oh man, I got to be an example. That means, you know, I've got to put forth this idea and this image and this perspective and make sure they're seeing this and this from me, you know, because I, I wanted to see Jesus. I really did. And then coming to the grips of the humble posture of like, you know, God speaks through me. It really isn't my, uh, it's not, it's, it is my load to carry to be a witness. I'm not trying to say that, but the power flowing through, me for that witness is not my load to carry. 
And that's where I would get those things mixed up. So just being able to be me, like being a pretty flawed individual in front of people that I get a little concerned that my flaws will prevent them from coming to Christianity. Uh, I'm probably a little dramatic on that, but because my flaws aren't of such that, you know, I would be called a hypocrite in that sense. But still, being able to just get rid of that pressure and just talk, man, it's so much more fun, it's so much more enjoyable, so much more thrilling, knowing that it's God that delivers the increase. It's not me. And, and I'll tell you what it did. This is what was so cool to me. Is it, because the pressure was off, I was now able to be excited about the things I'm excited about. So as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, as someone who spends a lot of time going to God, praying, spending time in his presence, like that stuff rubs off on you. So there's things I can express that I like that some of the guys I work with look at me like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. Like that's so odd and strange, but because you know how the difference between somebody who kind of delivers something relaxed and they own it and they're cool with it not being mainstream. And then somebody who is deep down inside and is insecure about it. You know how you, when you talk to different people like that, you're like, you can tell and it almost repels you from the person that's insecure about it. So because I'm able to just drop in that feeling of like, man, I'm good with this. I'm okay with loving reading this little Bible app I've got, <laughs> you know, even though my crew here, my employees are all like, yeah, that's a little bit weird or they think it is. Anyway, it's, man, it's just, it's so much more relaxing, so much more fun, so much more thrilling to have God moving through you. And what it, what it required for me is to take a humble position of, I'm not the one that makes the difference. It's really, I'm, I'm thankful to be a facilitator of the difference, but it's God that impacts. And I'm just going to, and if he can use me, even when I screw up, then great. If he can't, well, he loves me and I'm pretty good. I'll be okay. Anyway. Man, it's just, it's freed me up a lot, being able to drop that pressure of trying to impact and influence somebody's life, but still maintaining the posture that I will, that if God wants to speak through me, great, man, that's awesome. I just, when you told me that story about not realizing the impact you made, that's what it made me think of is I always wanted to realize the impact and now I don't have to realize it. And it's a great freeing feeling. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to think of through all this because I almost feel like there's a fourth point here. So we're on point one, which is losing heart. Point two is living in fear. Point three is a passivity of never growing up. Um, I feel like what you're describing is almost an analysis paralysis. And it's a, it's an overthinking all all of the different, all all the different, you know, reasons or whatever else that you, you get to this, this point where you, you don't see any progress because you're like, man, I, and, and maybe this ties into the passivity of no, never growing up in the sense of not like an immaturity, but a, like, I need to, like, I'm, I'm not at the point where I feel like I can say these things, or I'm not at the point where I feel like I can do this because of X, Y, Z. And then you're just spinning and you, you just, you, you're like, well, maybe I am insecure about it. So I don't want to talk about it because I don't want to be that guy. And and I think that, I, I think there's maybe like a three B to this is, is all I'm saying, but one of the things that kind of popped into my mind as you were talking about kind of your journey through all this stuff is really outlining for you uh, the difference between ownership and stewardship. And I think that a lot of times when you're, especially a, a, a small business person and, and and you have your family, it's it's really easy to get caught up in the ownership side of things. But I think when we when we talk about from a, a God perspective, and especially when we're talking about impacting other people's lives and, and and having influence in people's lives, 
that's where stewardship comes into play because I'm not the one that died on the cross. I'm not the one that can change a person's heart. I'm not the one that can heal somebody. I can't do any of that stuff. Like if, if, if we were to have like a, uh, you know, a, a, like a, a chart that just had my name and then Jesus's name on the other side. And, and we just kind of did like the whole, you know, who's capable of what thing it's going to be pretty lopsided on the Jesus side. And on my side, it's going to say something to the effect of, uh, you know, doesn't drool too often, doesn't trip very often. Like it's, 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 it's incomparable, but I think that when you can really tap into that stewardship side of it, of God, use me, God, God, uh, flow through me to, uh, through this relationship to have influence, to, to, to speak what you have to say, not what I have to say, use my story, use, use the adversity that, that I've had in my life to create common ground so I can have a conversation with a person. And that's it. If they choose to receive it, if they choose not to receive it, God, I, I just want to know that when you called me to do something, I was willing. I, I said, here I am, Lord, send me. And I'm going to go. And you sent me. And I got no's every single time. But I'm just being obedient and following you and stewarding the gifts that you've given me. And I think if you can separate those two things, the, the ownership mentality from the stewardship mentality, which it sounds like you're, you're on that journey and, and you've, you've started to uh, embrace more of the stewardship side of it, I think you'll realize that from a, from a biblical perspective and, and, and how God moves in, in different things, he's very heavy on stewardship. He's very heavy on trust in me. Let me be your provider. Let allow others to see me through you. And, and that's not a ownership mentality at all. That's, that's a, a stewardship mentality. So I hope that helps. That's at least that's what I was thinking when, when you were talking about all that. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's, that's a great way to say it. You know, it's, yeah, that's what I'm chewing on, left and right. Well, I appreciate you being being willing to talk about that because I I think that says a lot about kind of the the place that you're in right now, having the willingness to admit some of those challenges that you've had, you know, for the longest time. I was never a person that would ever admit weakness or failure or or even, you know, a, a place of like I'm not where I need to be yet. Like I was always trying to project that, and I think that's some of the stuff. Uh, that we need to hear. All right, so let's go to the next point. So we talked about losing heart. And the next one is is living in fear. Fear paralyzes us and makes us impotent. Um, and when when he's saying impotent, he's talking about without power. I think for us, the the saving private private Ryan analogy that he had was. I mean, I literally was playing that movie back in my head as he was kind of talking through just how that how fearful that guy was in that moment to where he was completely ineffective. I think that, you know, for us, fear is something that we deal with all the time. I mean, if you look in the Bible of how much God is specifically addressing fear, um, I think there's a healthy fear, but I think at the same time, there's also a fear that is something that we need to overcome. But the the thing that I really thought of kind of in that entire uh, analogy that he was giving is I, I think a lot of times fear is is in relation to, I'm going to be uncomfortable. I'm stepping outside of something that I don't know. I'm not able to, uh, maybe I won't be able to do this, you know, whatever those things are. But I, I think there's two different types uh, or there's two different costs that are associated with that. So you either have the cost of discomfort of actually doing it and and just hating every moment of it and stepping up and, and doing the thing that you really don't want to do because you're fearful or you're scared to do it. 
But on the other side of that, there's the cost of regret. And I think that that cost is a much higher cost. And so what I would challenge anybody listening to this, especially in relation to what Pastor Lee was talking about, we don't want to live in fear. I would much rather you live in discomfort than live in fear, because on the other side of that fear and unrealized potential is a lot of regret. And regret is something you can't do anything about. The opportunity has come. It's gone. Uh, you, you could either choose comfortability or you can choose discomfort. You chose comfortability. Now you have regret for the rest of your life. And that's something that you can never take back. So for us, the enemy doesn't have to make you fail if he can make you fearful. You're never even taking that step. Uh, and when you're not taking that step, you get into regret. Well, now you're in regret. You may not take a step again because you're like, you know, what's the point? Why, why, why even try? Yeah, fear is such a big component. And he mentions it. He talks about how all throughout the Bible, God speaks to men and directly to men. Fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. Fear is, it may be the primary enemy or primary tool of the enemy that is used against all people. And what's interesting is God's not too worried about failure. He just needs somebody involved, connected, and doing what he would ask or letting him work through him. And fear has such a, you know, I, I realized a long time ago, fear has no allegiance. Fear can attach itself to anything. I think that's why we have so many phobias. So you can sh just purely be scared. I got a job in Mississippi. I was coaching football here, and I got a job coaching at a college in Mississippi. And, man, it was exactly what I prayed for. It was what I asked God for. I mean, I went to God. I asked him to do the whole thing that the Bible talks about Jesus taught us to do. I get this thing, and something in me won't let go. It won't go. Like, I've I've told him yes. Like, I've got to move across the country. And I remember crying and praying and being like, Lord, like, do you want me to go? Do you want me to go? Which is a ridiculous statement because I'd already asked for the opportunity. And then he brought it. And... Finally, I was like, why am I like this? You know, because because this is what I kept running through in my head. I'm like, I'm not scared to go. I've been coaching for years. Uh, this is what I want. So I'm not scared of the opportunity. Um, you know, I, I, I'm i not scared of the money situation. I'm not scared of and I, I'd list all, all these things off. I'd be like, so what's the deal or why am I? That's why I had reasoned in my head that this must be the Holy Spirit talking to me and saying, don't go because there was no cognitive awareness of like an actual thing to be scared of. You know, I wasn't, it wasn't like someone tells you to go speak up on a stage and you suffer from stage fright. Well, then you can say, well, I'm a, I get scared when I'm in front of a lot of people. That wasn't the case. And finally the Holy Spirit was just like, man, Matt, you're just scared. That's it. That's it. That was the end of the sentence. You're just scared. And it hit me. Fear has no allegiance. It doesn't care what you're scared of as long as you're scared. And that's what I think we deal with a lot of times is people aren't really scared of anything. The devil just gets them scared. You know, if God has you working and moving, that's the thing is God doesn't actually need you to be able to succeed to work. It's great that you succeed. I mean, I think we'd probably say he wants you to succeed majority of the time, especially if he's leading you in said thing. But he can make an impact on the people around and bring people into the kingdom, reach out with his redemptive touch, all that through a total failure. What he can't do is he can't move through somebody not moving. He can't reach mm -hmm. out and get some and reach out and impact somebody for the kingdom 
if you're stuck in a corner, scared to make a step. That's why the that's why Patrick Lee can confidently say the devil doesn't care about failure as much as he cares about you being fearful. Yeah. I have a an acronym that I wrote down. Uh, fear is false evidence appearing real. It's it's this reality that you are perceiving, but it, in reality, it, but in reality, it's it's not it's not what you think it is. It's just your perception of it, and, and we just need to get past that. Again, I think that points back to a brotherhood. If you have a brotherhood, if you have somebody standing uh, alongside you, encouraging you, maybe they've been through that challenge before. They can walk through that with you, uh, and I think that eliminates some of that fear. I I think you can go boldly into something when you have a team with you, when you have a brotherhood with you. If it's just you and you're you're walking into that situation and 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 you're doing it all by yourself, there's a lot of self doubt. Um, you know, you you think about just getting somebody isolated. When you're isolated, you're not effective at all. You're, you're not doing anything, and I think that. Uh, isolation and fear go hand in hand. And so if you can get yourself out of that isolation situation, the fear becomes less intimidating and you have the courage and the motivation to push through that discomfort to get to the goal that you're, you're actually striving for. Uh, let's keep this going. Cause, uh, we've kind of dove pretty deep into a lot of these initial thoughts so far. And there's a couple things at the end that I want to circle, make sure that we are, have time to circle back to, um, the last uh, passivity he said was the passivity of never growing up. The unwillingness to stop being selfish is is kind of how he described it. And he, he alluded to the Peter Pan story in terms of, uh, you know, obviously not wanting to grow up. You, you know the parallels there, but kind of looking at it from like a, a more worldview of if you if you refuse to grow up, um, you're, you're not trying to escape time. You're, you're just, you're living in your adolescence, you're living in your immaturity and you, you're not in a, in a place, uh, that you're going to have responsibility. You're not going to be in a place that you really are in any kind of leadership role or really accomplishing anything when you're in that situation. So that passivity of, of never growing up, um, I, I put that as you're living in your potential, but never realizing it. So, so maybe people do see potential inside of you, but you're never willing to actually walk through the realization of that potential as opposed to just being like, oh man, he's got so much promise. I, I, I can see you know, that they're going to accomplish great things. They just want to live in that moment as opposed to, okay, now it's time to take the steps to realize that potential, to put myself in, in, in those roles, to put myself in those situations that I, I believe that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm equipped for, or I'm going to learn along my journey to be equipped for. Yeah. That's a tremendous perspective. You know, we get stopped all those three statements. I was thinking can be summed up in the idea of if the enemy can hold you at bay, if you consider that you have the, I'll go scripture, same power that rose Christ from the dead dwelling on the inside of you, mm -hmm. then any action of obedience to God is a hindrance to what the enemy is trying to do in your life. Any action. That's why the enemy is so bent on keeping you in a place where, ah, uh, nah, you're too old. Or, ah, uh, no, nah, you don't have any influence. Just take a step back. Take a passive uh, stance. Lose a little heart. Or, ah, you know, something bad's going to happen if you step out and do this. You know, you know, just, just take fear as an option or, the last point he made about 
ah, you don't want to grow up. You stay immature, stay in that place where you feel like you're just a boy. All of those things keep the heart of God. That is the Bible says that love that shed abroad on the inside of you, that keeps it at bay. Mm-hmm. As long as he keeps it at bay, you're ineffective. You're powerless. Yeah. Maybe you're making it to heaven. Maybe you, you know, slide into the hot side of heaven, but nobody else does. You know, we, if you listen to this, you're going to hear pastor Lee around this about to the impact you make on your family. Now your kids are just wandering around because you never stepped up and became the dad you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Your wife's just kind of floundering because you never truly stepped up and uh, became the husband you're supposed to be. So the, the enemy is truly, you know, you keep going back to brotherhood and in this space, I got to jump on it with you because that brotherhood is what ignites that part of you and that, that personhood of you. You get around people that, that have a heart of a lion. All of a sudden, that same heart on the inside of you starts to rise up. So it's important. I mean, the importance of a brotherhood is beyond just, you know, have an accountability partner or don't get too deep into sin so you can't go get back out. It's There's more intangible, subtle things happening when you're in a brotherhood on a regular basis than you can be aware of. And you just don't, you can't pick them up until you've been in a brotherhood for a while. And then you start to notice, wow, things are different in my life. And the the difference maker is the people I'm around. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're finally coming around on this whole brotherhood thing. I know it's been a bit of a journey, but I appreciate you <laughs> yeah. walking through that with me and starting starting to kind of grow a little bit here. So, so that's good. I, I, this is a big moment. So it took took me uh, three uh, yes, points right here. there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, the other thing I wanted to kind of highlight too is, you, and you hit and you hit the nail on the head is. Uh, a lack of responsibility will, will cost you your marriage. It'll cost you your family. It'll cost you a lot of relationships. And I think that um, when when he talked about uh, just the selfish side of immaturity uh, and unwilling to stop being selfish, man, I, I feel like a lot of guys need to kind of hear that because I think that, you know, up until when you get married, you – you are pretty selfish. I think a lot of your motive motivations for doing things are all selfish related. It's just you, you know, you're just trying to make your way. You want to make money. You want to, uh, you know, play video games. You want to, you know, go hunting, go fishing. I'm stepping on a lot of toes here, so I I apologize, but you want to, you want to do all (laughs) these things. Uh, you want, you want to hang out with your guys, right? And and by themselves, those are not bad things. Those, Those are, there's nothing wrong with those things. But I think what happens is, is those there's like a time and a season for uh, some of those things to be a priority in your life. And when you get married and you have kids and you have a family, then that priority shifts or it should, it should shift to your family. You're making a decision. Do I spend time in the woods or do I spend time with my family? And I think that if you constantly choose to not grow up and, and not to, to change some of those, those time constraints, uh, you essentially tell your your family and your wife, you guys are number two, you're number three, you're number four. You're not you're not my priority, and that's where a lot of that relationship can fall apart. Same thing with your kids. Like if you go hunting with your kids or you go, uh, you do a lot of sports stuff with your kids. That's great. But you know, in the podcast with with Pastor Greg Scott, it, it's, if everything becomes performance based, then 
that's how their view of God becomes. And, and we don't want to go too far down that path. What we want to stay focused on is, yes, we are sacrificing our time. We are, we are making that time with, with our family, with our wife, holy, and we're staying, we're making that a priority in, in terms of what we're doing. And so that's where that maturity happens, but also that selfishness starts to die. I mean, I think there's a lot of times where you're just sitting there going, man, I just, I would rather be doing something else than going to watch another soccer game or, or going to stay at home and, and just talk for hours upon hours with my wife. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of things that you could, in your mind, theoretically come up with that would be sometimes more fun than that. But you can't, you can't have that selfishness to yourself anymore because you've, when you got married and you started a family, that's, that's where your commitment, that's, that time's gone. I, I, I think it was actually with you. I don't know if you were on the podcast uh, when we had Joe McGee, when I had Joe McGee on for one of the other podcasts I did. And he talked about in a, when, a, when a wedding happens, there's a celebration and there's a funeral. And he said the celebration is that you're launching into a new relationship, into a new phase of life. But the funeral is your selfish, selfish desires. That is, that is dying. That's going away. Not to say that you can never do anything for yourself ever again. But that no longer becomes the primary motivation of of, of your existence and, and what you're doing. So that whole passivity of never growing up, staying selfish and staying self-centered, uh, that distraction is going to pre- prevent you from, again, walking in to the fullness of what God's created you to be. You become passive in your relationships because, like he said, you don't. God, the, de- the, the enemy doesn't have to make you immoral if he can keep you immature. So you're never going to you're never going to be what God created you to be or, and God can't steward you through the things that you're, you're walking towards because you're, you're not even taking those steps. You're, you're busy doing other things that are bringing more joy to you from a, a selfish side than they are for your family and for what God has from a purpose perspective in your life. Yeah, that's good. And I think what we miss out on is it's, it's not initially more fulfilling it's not initially more enjoyable but once you get in the middle of it you realize how much better that decision was than whatever the selfish decision would have been mm-hmm. and i think something we've all learned from the example of pastor george who uh if you're listening and you're not a church on the movers uh, our founding pastor is if you will give up those things early god will bring those back around mm-hmm. in a very fulfilling real sense you know he anybody who knows him knows he's an avid hunter but he'll tell the story that he gave that up when his kids were young. Right. And what he gave up was really probably an average experience of hunting. He gave up, you know, the standard, mm-hmm. I guess you'd say, experience of hunting. No doubt he would have been good and pursued it with excellence. But it might have just been deer or duck or, you know, your what we call our standard stuff. But that guy, now he's in a place, he's hunting elk and bear and rhino and polar bear i mean i don't all think he's around is he, he's, he's not hunting any rhinos <laughs> no but I, I did hear somebody the other day that's uh heard a, and it made me think man that's pastor george's next deal he's going after rhino in africa uh. anyway um god blesses that back that's what i've learned is okay giving that up you know it's recently it's been with my kids just been like that first few minutes i'm like ah oh playing catch with them it's just Come on now, this is not, you know, this isn't sparking that guy side of me that's wants to play catch. But after a few minutes in, you're like, man, this is the greatest thing I could ever do. Yeah. You know, and it's because it finally hits you the the excitement and fun of 
you know, being a dad in that sense. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I love that aspect of God is when you're obedient, that initial few minutes, few hours sometimes um, is like, ah, it's just tough. But then you get into it, you're like, man, thank you, Lord. Thank you for being such a good guy and being patient with me until I figured this out. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I feel like that ties a little bit into the quote that he had from Erwin McManus that says, we have defined holiness through what we separate ourselves from rather than what we give ourselves to. And I think that that's, yeah, that's good. That's really kind of putting the emphasis that our time is sacred. And if, if we're caught up in uh, passivity and fear and immaturity, we're not giving ourselves our, or our time to the right things. And so you, you fail to live life to its fullest. And he said, uh, Lee said, God calls us to be courageous, not stupid. He, he's calling us to, I think more than we're, we're ultimately capable of. So, you know, don't go and do like the most audacious, ridiculous thing, not to say you can't do that, but like within reason, I think is, is kind of his point there. But ultimately, I love the part that he's talking about a holiness of what we not necessarily are separating ourselves from, but what we're giving our, ourselves to. So like if I'm giving myself to my family right now, that's holy time. That's time that I've specifically set us aside for moments with my kids and moments with my wife. And I think that that, that moment right there shows the true value of our time. I, I recently, and I feel like this is going around a little bit, so I'm sure you, you've heard it before, but I've heard a couple of people, uh, Say something to the effect of, if I were to give you $10 million for anything, just I'm, I'm going to give you $10 million, um, but the catch is that you can't wake up tomorrow. So you, you absolutely cannot wake up tomorrow. Would you take the $10 million? And I, I think that when you put it in the perspective of that, the everybody says, no, I would not take the $10 million. And so what their point is, is if if your ability to wake up every single morning is worth more than $10 million. Why are you not treating those days? Why are you not treating those uh, those holy moments that you're setting aside, the time that you're investing, the time that you're spending with your kids? Why are you not treating it like that? Why are you not tr putting such a value on your time and what you're doing and the steps that you're taking? Why do we, why do we not do that? We just wake, we just take it for granted. But in the same conversation, we would easily say, I would, I would not trade a million dollars to not wake up tomorrow because what's the point of the million dollars? There is no point. That's a great way to put it in perspective. I feel like you're considering the million, $10 million. So I just want to make sure I didn't give you a chance to answer. So <laughs> no, I definitely, uh, wouldn't take the $10 million, but it does put in quite a perspective of money versus time. That's good. Yeah, that's a good, good way to look at it. I want to kind of wrap it up a little bit with this because I think that uh, we we kind of glazed past it because uh, we're making the assumption that people have, have actually heard uh, Lee's message. But one of the the interesting quotes that he, he really started out with that we haven't talked about yet is the G. Michael Hoff quote that says, hard times create strong men, strong men create easy times, easy times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. Um, and so that's kind of what he led off with. And that's when we it kind of set up, I think, a lot of what we're talking about from passivity to having a desire for adventure and, and kind of having that inside of us, but how comfortability and, and how 
you know, some of the environment that we live in today can cause us to potentially be weak and create this cycle of, uh, of hard times. And I don't think anybody necessarily wants hard times, but it's, it's within our power and it's within what we are created to be, to rise to the occasion, to persevere through those hard times. But I think the, the really intriguing thing, and I, and I don't know if it, how intentional he was with how he stated it because he felt like uh, he he went through it pretty quickly. But I really want to take a, a moment and let this sink in. If you if you start with what he talked about in the beginning of strong men wanted, and how strong men can create easy times and how it creates this cycle of potential hard times and weakness. If you look later on when he was kind of closing. Uh, he was talking about how strong godly men don't create easy times. They create healthy homes, impactful churches, build businesses, raise up uh, free and fearless children, love their wives and our disciples that make more disciples. The only thing that changed in that entire sentence, that entire uh, statement that he made was that it was strong godly men instead of just strong men. And I think that the the difference of having God in your life and having him at the center of what you're doing can break the cycle of uh, creating hard times or creating weak men or whatever else. I think it's what he's saying is it's possible with God to be a strong man and to create uh, a different narrative and a different environment for us and our families to live in. We, we alluded to it a little bit that the people around us benefit when we step up and we are uh, taking on the the mantle of what God created us to be, uh, to be strong, godly men, that's where he's talking about how we have healthy homes, impactful churches, uh, strong businesses, free and fearless children. That's the difference. And I, I felt like, man, the weight of that statement as I, it didn't hit me as hard on the uh, the day of the breakfast, but after I kind of like walk through in, in terms of what he was talking about in the beginning, I was like, man, it's so much more powerful that just inviting God into uh, who he created us to be can make that big of a difference for us. Walking godly has an inherent adversity. You know, in that quote, the reason that good times create weak men is because there's no adversity and without adversity you can't achieve strength but when you sign on as a disciple of christ you immediately carry adversity you carry you know, paul said it like this i carry this body of death with me and he carries a constant driver towards sin a constant driver towards rebelling a constant driver towards destroying himself so you're always working against that and I, I would say that's the cure, if that's the right word. You know, you mentioned godly being the difference in those two scenarios. And when I think about raising my children, I do think about my kids growing up soft or weak. You know, I, I can't say that I've created unbelievably easy times for my family, by no means. But I've created better times because of walking with God and becoming stronger and making solid good decisions, decisions to de delay gratifications, decisions to take risks, take on challenges that were difficult to, you know, have seasons of working long hours with little sleep and 
So I've made it a little bit better. So then I think about my kids, you know, we know the story of the incredibly successful, wealthy individual who you look, you you look so much up to and you respect him. And man, he makes, these are the guys that write books and have seminars. And then you hear about their kids and you're like, you're kidding me. Their kids are complete idiots. Their kids are just total, you know, and I don't say that to speak against their ability of parenting. I, I say that to point out that with, Without some adversity, without some difficulty in your life, you will stay weak. So being a Christian, separating yourself, as we said earlier, with holiness, giving yourself over to the obedience and the submission of God being your authority, and you don't get to be autonomous, that creates in it an adversity, which creates strength, which is what I'm hoping translates to my kids in the areas that I have removed a little bit of adversity because of whatever decisions I've made, I'm hoping that one got to give me the wisdom to recreate some of that adversity. But even where that falls short, because it will, even when that, when that falls short, I'm hoping that the spirit of God grabs a hold of their hearts and then they will start facing adversity because it will walk with them every single day, just as it does me, just as it does you. Me overcoming my own flesh without the world's influence, without the enemy out there, is my own difficult challenge. That itself, in itself, creates an opportunity for me every day to build strong character, to be the, in that quote, the strong men who creates good times. And in the godly sense, when he switched that quote, quote around, it becomes the godly man who creates a healthy home. A healthy home will always be difficult to create in a world fallen and poisoned by sin. It will always be difficult. An easy home with lots of money, lots of space, lots of time, that becomes, can you can you win in the world system? But a healthy home, a godly home, a home set apart, a marriage, a relationship that is healthy, that is strong, those are things that will always be difficult in the world we live in because the world is bent against having it it's it's aimed at destroying it that's how we are i don't i wouldn't say it's how because i haven't done it yet but it's what i'm banking on for my kids that they grow up and i'm able to communicate the strength you know it's it's highly unlikely they will have to go start a side business while they're doing their regular career so they can pay off student loans and get themselves deep out of debt highly unlikely and they just rebel unless they just rebel against every principle I teach them. So they're probably going to be in a better position. So I'm hoping that the spirit of God is able to create some adversity in their life that creates the character and strength that I want them to have to be able to live a life well lived. Yeah. Well, I think if they can see you walking through adversity and not being, you know, uh, held back by fear. They're not seeing you refuse to walk through some of the responsibilities that are required to go through that. I think that's going to create for them the path, right? They're going to they're gonna see this is how my dad achieved that. This is how he walked through it. So when adversity comes, it no longer is a uh, this, this, this thing that's just completely foreign to them. They're like, oh, my dad faced adversity like this. He walked through it. Here's what he did. And, uh, you know, he trusted God, he persevered, he, you know, put in the work, he, he did what he was supposed to do. I know that's the same plan for me to do it. It's, it's not that everything is just, you know, you know, pillows and, and, and smooth sailing. It's 
like I got to see my dad go through what it takes to to get to where I want to go. And hopefully they stand on our shoulders and build on top of that instead of maybe repeating some of the, the, the adversity that you have. So it's not to shield them from the adversity so that they never feel it. It's to walk through that adversity with them so that they can see, okay, this is the formula. This is the path. This is how we get to that moment to not be fearful of this huge task that maybe would have been huge to you, but to them, it's, it's not huge at all because they've, they've seen you, uh, graciously walk through all of that stuff. And I think that's, that's my hope as a parent. I, I believe that's your hope as a parent too, but I think that's the difference is you, you, you bring God into that. You trust God in that you demonstrate that to your friends, you demonstrate that to your family, you demonstrate that to your brotherhood. Now you can point back and say, not because of what I've done, but because of God working through me, that's how I was able to do this. That goes right back to the stewardship that we were talking about before. I think, uh, uh, one of the things that, that Lee had mentioned too was uh, living out God's mission benefits and blesses others uh, and our faith and our courage change things for those we love. I think that ties into it as well because that's that's twofold. It's one, they're benefiting from us living out our mission, but they're also, like I said before, they're seeing us walk through that and they're seeing how God can come through for us in those tough situations. And so I think it's definitely a, a multifaceted uh, result of being a strong, godly man, walking through adversity with a brotherhood, with the goal of walking out God's purpose uh, and mission in our lives. It's good. Yeah. Well said, man. I, t- I think, I think we hit on everything unless there was something else that you wanted to talk about. But uh, like we said, when we started this whole thing out, um, there was so much meat to this. And, and I really enjoy every time that Lee, gets up and, and speaks to our group. And not only that, I think it was like literally that next Sunday, he, he actually spoke at church and crushed it again. Uh, so if you, if you follow the church on the move podcast, go and check out his message, uh, that he had literally uh, that next week. So, uh, there, there's just so much, uh, wisdom and knowledge that, that he's kind of been downloading and sharing with us. And so, uh, I'm so glad, and I think we as a brotherhood are so fortunate that he's a big part of what we're doing and really encouraging and guiding us to becoming the brothers that, that God created us to be. Yeah, there's nothing else. We unpacked just about everything. Lee, Pastor Lee dropped an incredible message. So I'd encourage everybody, I second it. Go in, listen to the Brotherhood podcast, and then go listen to the Church of the New podcast that happened right after that, and they will marry so well together. Absolutely. Well, brothers, remember, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. We'll catch you on the next podcast.